Hi there. This is Scott from Cube Nerds. As you might guess, uh, my fellow Cubist Mike is not here today. And therefore, um, this will be my first shot at trying to do one of these things solo. And anyway, we've worked out the technical difficulties about getting it set up and saved so that um, it'll be replayable when there's actually somebody watching this later. But um, if this shows up on Facebook, uh, while it's airing, you can certainly uh, leave a comment. Otherwise, it should be on our YouTube page um, for Cube Nerds. And um, let me see. may not be able to post a link in real time while we're doing that. But um, since you're here um, in the... Uh, you're listening to it somewhere, so you should be able to leave a comment if you're actually listening and watching this. I think I just figured that part out. Anyway, this is uh, Cube Nerds, episode number 32, called Outside Your Comfort Zone, since this is a little bit out of my comfort zone, doing this by myself for the very first time using our um, podcast uh, service for StreamYard, uh, which we use to stream this live, so... I'm just learning the ropes with this as it's a new app for me. I'm used to Zoom. I'm used to Google Connect. I'm used to, geez, Live Meeting and was it Google Teams? Um, Google and Microsoft's got a new one too. I don't even remember what it is, but I, I've actually used it. And um, <laughs> somebody found this because... Uh, Melanie is saying hi, and so I will say hi back to Melanie. Hi. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, uh, so uh, hopefully, Melanie, you can leave a comment uh, about uh, where you're watching this um, in case it's in more than one location. If it's only on the location you're in, don't worry about it since people will already know to leave comments there if they need to. Anyway, um uh, so I'm doing a solo, uh, and I thought I'd talk about being outside of your comfort zone since this is a little outside of mine. And I'm still getting used to some of this stuff. I also don't know how to turn comments off once they're on. Oh, <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> so um, one of the things to prepare yourself um Again, uh, the theme of our show is cube nerds, uh, basically working in the cubicle farm, cubicle industry. And even if you're not getting out of it, or maybe you're working in another kind of job that you don't like. I, for instance, came from a retail background before I went to the cubicle farm. And got to tell you, love the cubicle experience compared to standing on my feet for 12, 10, 8 hours a day. Um it was uh, much easier for me to do that. So maybe you want to get into that. Um, we could talk about anything that you want in this or upcoming episodes. But right now, um, I'm just going to talk about um, stretching yourself a little bit. That's um, a good way for you to focus on your talents and what you're good at. And from whatever experiences you have, whatever training you've had, things you've read about, learned, or worked with other people with, those people skills really do come in handy, you know. So even post-pandemic, when everybody's still working remote, nothing like an in-person skill to, you know, uh, 
really make it uh, a little bit more. Uh, it goes a little further sometimes if it's not just online on a call sometimes or listening to a recording from somebody like me. So I'm not quite sure where I was going with that. But um, I just wanted to say that, uh, yeah, sometimes it's important to keep contact with other people. And so for um, stretching that comfort zone, stretching your, your, uh, where you're already comfortable and getting outside of that in order to make it happen for yourself to go from one place where you're at, maybe you're dissatisfied, to another place you'd rather go to, whether it's in a cube industry kind of thing or outside of it, or even if you're happy where you already are, how to stay happy, how to keep it challenging for yourself and make it a pleasure working with others. So, you know, um, change is always the constant that we have in our modern world, but you don't have to change everything all at once. And if you do want to get out of your comfort zone, that's probably going to be a little bit easier to make you land on your own two feet um, since we're not cats and we don't have nine lives. So even the cats landing on their own feet doesn't really help us. Again, don't know where I'm going with that. But let's just um, get some examples in so I know what um, uh, I can focus on a little bit easier. So uh, let's say you're in a job. How did I get into the cube industry from retail? Um, what enabled me to get out of that um you know, I could be scheduled at any time of the day, seven days a week, and whoever was going to schedule me probably would like me to work Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sundays ad infinitum, um, you know, rinse and repeat ad infinitum, and you never feel like you're getting anywhere. You can go up through the manager chain in retail. And for me, my experience with retail back in the day I'm not quite sure what it is now, but I suspect some of the things uh, may still uh, have something in common with the way they did, you know, 20 years ago, which is basically like if you're in a retail job and people don't like that particular job, you'll be a manager before you know it just by not quitting. Um, in some industries, that can happen. You know, there are only so many jobs available in a particular retail kind of job. And um, just being able to do your job properly will make you, um, I was going to say a target, uh, but somebody who's uh, trusted in order to have access to um, locking the store, for instance, if it is a store that you're working at, or being in charge of a shift, maybe a team lead, maybe um, a supervisor. Oh, gosh, there must be 30 different management titles you could have, uh, if not more, even in just the retail industry. And to get outside of that um, thing of like, well, I, I can be in the industry for retail, but I can't get out of it once I'm in it. And, you know, I always said, um, well, things may have changed again, that um, you only had so many Christmas seasons in you before it would kill you just because Christmases used to be so stressful in retail uh, as far as being on site. And, I'm sure there are plenty of people who probably still feel that way. Um, talking to you, Amazon workers, who probably never get a minute's sleep or peace, working all those times in the warehouses or just driving everywhere. My goodness, the number of uh, contractor 
drivers that there must be between UPS and uh, Federal Express and Amazon's own prime drivers. Uh, it's just incredible the amount of people there who are just being hired just to deliver packages with that um, standard that uh, Amazon had said at one point of promising prime delivery where you're going to get it the next business day almost anywhere you are in the country. Uh, but, you know, of course, the closer you are to a major hub that Amazon might have or a major city, the faster that's going to be. Um, and anyway, that causes its own stress. Plus, you're driving your own cars. You know, I've got several friends who do driving for a living, either delivering or doing DoorDash or something. And it's rough. And that uh, I can't even imagine the stress that that has. Anyway, there are different things that we can do to alleviate some of the stress, some of the monotony of it. And always keeping in mind, it's a holiday season. It has a start, which is in the past. And it has an ending. And even though it doesn't end at Christmas time, it does uh, get a lot less busy afterwards, even though it's all returns and everybody's out shopping again with all the, uh, if they got gift cards, for instance, or uh, some sort of a gift for either Hanukkah or for Christmas or whatever holiday celebration you might have. Um, it still keeps it kind of busy in retail, but it's still nothing compared to what it was before. Anyway, um, I'm cognizant that this is right now a broadcast that we're doing um, in November, right after Thanksgiving. And most people say, well, the busiest shopping day of the year is um, Black Friday. Or perhaps in the, uh, you know, the online shopping industry, it's now that Tech Monday um, or whatever it's called, Internet Monday. Uh, if Mike was here, he'd probably roll his eyes and give me the right answer. I think it's something. Uh, like that. Anyway, um, the uh, thing to keep in mind is that's normally not the busiest day. Uh, as far as on-site retail goes, if my memory serves me correct, unless it's a specialty kind of store, the last Saturday before Christmas is the busiest shopping day of the year. Black Friday is just the kickoff. And every Saturday after that Black Friday is busier than Black Friday. Um at least that was my experience as a bookstore manager. Um, and, well, with Amazon um, now uh, selling every single book under the earth at um, less than the, uh, uh, the brick-and-mortar bookstores used to be able to sell it at, um, uh, I'm sure it's a little less busy, perhaps, at Barnes & Nobles these days here in the States. Uh, W.H. Smith or whomever's in uh, Britain. But I digress. Anyway, for comfort zone, uh, for moving around and especially during the holidays, I'd want to say a couple of things to do to make it easier for to decide you want either a change of job or you want to just be more satisfied in the job that you have for creating the comfort zone so that you can move from it or to enlarge it. So let, let me just um, back up a little bit there. So this is called Outside the Comfort Zone. That's the name of this particular episode. And um, you want to get outside of your comfort zone. The best way of doing that is to expand it. Let me uh, explain. 
One of the things that used to be a big hangup with me was driving places. Um, and one of the ways to do um, and get a different job is to drive to different places. Now, the Internet and the pandemic that we've been through have made it a little bit easier to do that because online applications are now more plentiful than ever. But I still say that um, if you want to work at a particular place, it doesn't hurt to physically go to that place that you'd like to apply for a job for. Or at least get to know the people that work there. That you can do online if you have to have uh, if you happen to have friends who work in the same industry that you're interested in getting into, or even one that you're already in, but you'd like to go to perhaps a competitive firm or even a different division in the company that you're already with, making friends, making connections. Uh, although, boy, connections is a really kind of cold word, isn't it? You know, uh, how would you like to be thought of as making a connection? Like, oh, I'm not even a, a person that you know or just um, an acquaintance. I'm a connection. Hmm. Feels like you're being used a little bit. Um, so go about it carefully when you're talking to other people and you have job kind of things in mind. You know, get to know that other person a little bit more instead. Uh, I heard somewhere on a recent webinar it was on uh, that talking is 80% listening if you want to do it well and if you really want to uh, make an impression on the person you're speaking with listen to them hear what they have to say Um, it's going to be more important to you than what you are saying chances are the more listening you do the more carefully you'll uh, select and speak your own words anyway One of the things I do to expand my comfort zone when I was very nervous about driving was to make it a habit of driving places that I didn't like to on days where I didn't have to drive somewhere and I could afford the time to drive and not worry about being late because the stress of being late for something is what makes most of us nervous about driving. With um, past um, fears that I'd had about driving, Mostly, uh, (laughs) for those of us of a certain age, in the pre-GPS era, it's like, do I have enough of a detailed street map to know where I need to be if I get lost? Or, um, you know, are the directions reliable from the person that I got? I won't name names, but the people, uh, some of the people I used to get directions from, um, uh, instead of telling you like, oh, you go two miles down this road, you make it right on Main Street. You want to watch until you see the, let's say, Walmart come up on the left. And it's the second house after that before the red light. Okay. Those are good kind of instructions I could write down. But then we'd have like, oh, well, you, you go down the road, the one that sort of goes to the right, but there's a big tree there. At least there used to be. I'm not sure if it's there, but it might be a big stump by now. Anyway, you want to sort of bear to the left, and there's a gray kind of building there. I'm not quite sure what makes it gray, but it's got some, like, you know, stuff on the on the roof there. It just sets it off a little bit. Otherwise, it would look black. But really, you know, with that paint on the roof, it, it makes it look gray. And then there's a tree with a weird shape. Looks like a Y. Don't want to turn down that street. Instead, you want to keep going on to, well, you, you get the point. Uh, that didn't make it very easy for me to drive. So 
Today, with uh, modern cell phones and smartphones, you've got apps right on there. It's a game changer. If you don't like to drive, it's a game changer. Go somewhere where you're not sure where to go. You know, if traffic in cities put you off, fine. Don't drive in the city until you need to. But you could at least go into a busier area of a neighborhood you already know and just use the phone to tell you where to go to get to somewhere. And if you do get lost, the phone will bring you back. Doing this when you don't have um, uh, a time limit that you have to be there by will make it easier to explore, get used to making uh, corrections, and then get back on track to where you're supposed to be. And it will make it easier to do it when you do have time uh, or don't have time and you do have to be there with a deadline. Uh, Anyway, that's one way I got out of my comfort zone of driving. Uh, Another way of doing it um, is just to remember, you know, let's say you're given um, something that you have to do. Maybe it's a task, something you don't want to do. But um, doing it, even if it's a recurring task, sometimes will, first of all, you can um, tell yourself, at least remember that um, doing it will take the sting out of it if it's something you're nervous about doing because you don't know if you're doing it right. Um, You've been asked to do it. The better a job that you do with it, um, the more respect you'll get from the person who probably asked you to do it. Um, and at the very least, you do it just because it's your job to do. And if you don't like it, you can complain about it after the fact. But to get out of your comfort zone, it's a wise thing to do that task and just to um, do the best you can at it. Always try to bring things from previous experiences or previous jobs into your current one. The company I worked for that I was laid off for um, a couple of years ago before the pandemic Um, I'd worked at a ton of different things, um, just by chance or by odds and odds uh, of uh, note-taking, package shipping, ordering, coaching, training, learning how to use headsets, uh, including the ones with the mics, and learning how to use all of the little different um, details and things, even just um, setting up a browser so it has only opened the tab that you need to use at a given time. Anything to save time, anything to save extra clicks, and anything to be prepared. So one of the ways to be successful at what you're doing or the job you want to be doing is to be prepared mentally and physically and make your habits that way as well. If you know that you'll need time to do something new, find the time to do it. Practice before you have to do it. If there's a task you don't want to know because you're not sure how to do it, see if there's another test kind of task you could do that's similar in nature. Um, I'll try to think of uh, good examples of doing that. Um One of the things that I'd had to do once was um, putting a project together or learning how to do project planning. And one of the projects I'd done once upon a time was uh, uh, mixes of music. Still something that people do, only now they have them on um, outlets like Spotify and they call them playlists. 
Same kind of principle. And back in the day, it was really fun to share my favorite music with family and friends. And in order to do that, I had a deadline, normally a holiday, and um, I got a little carried away. So for this little project of just putting favorite music on, um, at the time, a CD, and sending it to someone as a holiday present, um, more or less they were like holiday songs or Christmas songs, uh, including um, uh, ones that um, were humorous in nature. But I always had a uh, an idea that I wouldn't put it on there if you couldn't play it again, because you'd get sick of it after two or three times. You're like, okay, yeah, it was funny during the first, like, twice I heard it, and I think we're done. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, ones you, you've heard to death on the radio, you know, um, uh, Santa got run over by a ranger. Ha, 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 ha. As an example. Anyway, I would... Um, get all the music together. And at the time I had albums of stuff. I had um, lots of cassette tapes and things. And as the internet got bigger way back in the day, um, you were able to purchase music or accidentally uh, or borrow it from friends. That's it. And um, get uh, copies of music that you could include on something. And I got a little carried away picking and sequencing the music, sequencing in particular, so that um, the energy of the album, or the mix itself, would come together. Um, and then I wanted to make sure that um, all the volume was the same. So I got different software programs that were actually free at the time and um, used those to see if I could normalize the volume of it. And to um, then look up, oh, I had such fun looking up the all the stuff about each of the songs that I put on the mix. Where did it come from? When was it released? Who did it? Um, what single was it on? What album was it on? And I would put that in the liner notes for each of the songs. So if somebody went like, that's an interesting song. That's a psychedelic version of Little Drummer Boy that was recorded in the 1960s. Huh. That sounds like the birds did it. Wow. And I found one of those. And so I put all that so people could look uh, look and see if there was something else that they might want by the same artist. And then I would find cover art and uh, clips and things, and I would start drawing things. The next thing I know is from this stupid little music project, I now had all this experience, which I could use at work on my training materials, where I was now using uh, officially sanctioned time and software in order to um, put together documents collate them, have them available in um, a presentation like a PowerPoint that looked good and didn't just look like, you know, Bob's um, business outline or PowerPoint. And I did my best to make it stand out so that you would want to see it as somebody um, was looking at that. And all of that I got from all that experience, just putting together music kind of things outside of your comfort zone. You can always personalize a task that you have to do, um, like um, hosting a podcast solo for the very first time because your friend is sick. Sorry, Mike. And I'm guessing maybe Seth was sick too, because otherwise it's um, normally the night that Mike records his Mind Your F and Business podcast, for which this was a last-minute replacement, and then he was a last-minute um, sick himself, and then we had little problems with the uh, account. That's why we're a little late. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so those are just a couple of examples of um, 
being prepared and uh, being outside of your comfort zone, drawing from what you've done in past things, even if they don't seem related. I'm all about connections. What can I use from this um, source, that source, to make life interesting and make sense so that I don't just have a drudge time in a drudge job? Drudge job is only if you leave it as a drudge job. Any job that you can get, any career that you have, you can make it more. But if it's not satisfying to you, that's what we're here to talk about. That's that us also cube nerds is that, you know, you can do the best you can with what you have. That retail job just wasn't going for it for me anymore. And I didn't make it up to um, a side career, which was to be a book buyer for the company, which um, uh, I have a lot of friends who already know. But I used to work for Walden Books, Walden Books and Brentano's who then bought Borders when Borders only had a very few stores. Borders book then became the name of the group. Borders group is actually was funded by Walden Books, and they grew the Borders brand from there and replaced all their mall stores with big stores and didn't uh, last, unfortunately, which is a pity. I love the people who work there. Oh, my goodness. So many friends and so many authors did I meet and have autographings with and all the customers we had who were just you know book people i miss book people so much and i miss selling books that was fun but it got um kind of sad toward the end where it was more or less like geez how do we stay in business and a lot of stress the pressure was really bad this is the tipping point before amazon became the uh, behemoth that they are now or the you know juggernaut as it were Anyway, um, so like I said, that just wasn't going to work for me anymore, and I knew I had to get out. So out of my comfort zone, segued into a different type of job using my background um, and my fascination with something that had nothing to do with books or the bookstore. Found out that I liked computers and um, segued into a different kind of job by just doing that and took courses and computer um, skills and for um, being basically tech support. And um, then that segued into my next, my next job where I stayed for quite a long time. I'm very happy and very loyal when I normally, when I work for a company. And so it's um, unusual for me to just uh, switch jobs and things. So I don't do it very lightly, but even that uh, job, wasn't as creative as I wanted it to be. So I did not go back to that job after I was laid off or try for something in a similar kind of vein, just because it wasn't um, engaging enough for me. And so outside of my comfort zone now, and as we've talked in previous episodes of this, I've gone on to do um, book narration and uh, voice acting work. And uh, at the end, I'll you know, we always do props at the end of the episode just to plug things or whatever. I'll, I'll mention that kind of stuff later. Anyway, so uh, things to do to be prepared um, outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, jeez, uh, how to put it, just to be as professional as you can in everything that you do with other people, whether it's at work or not at work. Um, now, I re 
guard being here in this uh, booth that I'm in as work. And so if you see me on camera, normally you'll see me and I'll be uh, hopefully presentable, dressed um, okay. I, you know, I don't have a suit on or a button down shirt with a, a tie on or a coat, but um, you know, I'm not wearing a t-shirt either. And uh, you know, uh, I don't have a hat on, but then again, I have these big headphones since it didn't occur to me to go and get like just regular earbuds or something where I don't have to put something on my head because that could be a little off-putting if you're listening to somebody on a on a podcast. So I can learn from Mike with that since Mike has those uh, cool little hoodie things that he's wearing. But uh, <laughs> I digress. So. I wanted to wrap up. I don't want to keep going too long. I don't have enough material prepared to do a solo run today, but I did have something to share about um, just trying to land on your feet quickly and things that work sometimes for you. So one of the things that um, I do now with uh, book narration is there's a certain amount of social uh, media skills that are required in order to market um, something that um, you're working on that you want to basically sell um, in today's market. In the past, if you were advertising something in the years before you could do it on social media, there was not very many outlets for selling things. There were magazines. The most commonly used one was probably the newspaper or your local paper, if you had something that you were making at home, for instance. And outside of that, unless you're buying airtime on the radio or on television, which uh, eh, that's pretty pricey for most people, but um, sometimes that's how it goes. There wasn't that much in the way you could do to get the word out. Now, not everybody uses social media these days. So for me, I use both social media as well as my website because everybody is online these days. And if there are people who aren't online, I can't help you. <laughs> You're probably not going out and listening to any of my audiobooks because they're only online. They're not physical things that you're going to find in the, uh, a bookstore, if you can find one, or in a library, which you can find. Um, and uh, but unfortunately, my audiobooks are not in the library at present because most audible books aren't available through libraries. Um, only the ones that are offered by major publishers are actually in libraries in physical form for the most part, but um, or ones that are online but offered through other markets besides audible. So audible, if you're listening, how about uh, adding on uh, audible possibilities for hoopla at some point? which is a streaming service that most libraries use, including mine. Just saying. Uh, oh, and if you're not aware of it, hey, people, you want to listen to audiobooks and not have to pay and do it legally? Library, please. You know, e even if it doesn't put a dime in my pocket, you should know that these are free things you can do that are legal and fun. You just go to your library online. You don't have to walk into the building if you're still not one of those like physical, uh, I don't want to see people kind of person. But uh, Or maybe you don't have a library in a good area of town. I have a couple of people who have that problem. Um, or just a limited library. Um, you know, maybe you don't live in a large town or a large city, which has a library that's very large. But some of them do offer Hoopla, which is a digital service 
libraries offer. You put in your your library card number, and um, you you can borrow free audiobook content, and podcasts are free just about everywhere. But again, if you're uh, not online, can't help you. Uh, and you might also want to consider going online since you're living in the last century. So where am I going with this? Well, I was working on social media yesterday. And as you may know about me, if Mike hasn't already mentioned it, and he probably doesn't, but uh, I like history quite a lot. Always have. Again, I'm all about connections and finding things that are connected to each other. History is stories, just like fiction is. Fiction is stories, and you can have history It is everything. There's nothing you can say that like, well, I don't like history. I hate history. History is so boring. Well, you know, like, or, you know, it doesn't affect me. I'm, you know, I just, you know, I'm in business. Like, well, there are plenty of business histories or there's a history of capitalism. Like, why do we do what we do these days? You know, um, what about regulations and things like that? There's a history. There's anything you can say that you do, there's a history of it. And those are stories of people and things that have been done by people uh, throughout the centuries up to today. And today is already history as we go into tomorrow when you're probably watching this video since you're probably not watching it online. Ah, and, and uh, Melanie is just saying that she just learned about Hoopla. Thank you, Melanie. I don't know why I'm yelling since I'm guessing the mic will pick me up just fine, but uh, I digress. Uh, well, anyway, so history, all about history, connections, blah, 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 blah. I'm on uh, Twitter, and I don't like Twitter. Twitter was the last thing I wanted to use when I knew I would have to use social media in order to help market the fact that I do audiobooks now, and I'm on audio dramas, and I've got lots of other projects that I want to do. Um you know, Facebook was okay, although mostly I use Facebook to say happy birthday, because really it's nice to know when other people's birthdays are. You see a name of a friend that you haven't contacted in a while, and you say happy birthday just because like, oh, man, I haven't seen that person in years. And not because I don't like them. It's just that time sometimes happens and distance. And you say happy birthday on Facebook. Sometimes they like, oh, my God. You're alive or, or whatever. And um, next thing you know is they're chatting with you. Maybe not a phone call, but at least a chat. How nice is that? People, I don't want to, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I think that's a nice thing. Yes, uh, there are plenty of people spouting hate everywhere. Um, and in the last few years, that's been particularly invasive. Well, I try to avoid reading those posts. And if people just post nothing but that, I tend not to read those. Or, unfortunately, stay in touch with those people. Um, you know, politics and um, other things that are just controversial or people. I don't mind controversy, but uh, people sometimes forget respect when they generalize us and them. Just saying. Instagram is much friendlier, I think, because you're just sharing photographs, mostly selfies, not necessarily. Sometimes there's family pictures. And just be careful. There are weird people out there. So be careful about putting pictures of your kids out or other you know, kind of things. You're like, are you sure you want a stranger looking at that? Just saying. 
But otherwise, um, I like to take pictures uh, when I go hiking and, you know, uh, like, oh, here's what the lake looks like with a rainbow behind it or uh, with these nice um, sun-dappled landscapes on the water or on a, a mountain or something. And so uh, Instagram's a nice comp kind of place for the most part to go to. Little videos and little pictures. I love it. Um, and a, a lot less spouting. But Twitter, like I said, I didn't want to go to Twitter. I know that Twitter's known for being the most vehement thing. Certainly, um, that's where most of uh, all of the controversies and stuff. But there are people who use Twitter who don't use the other things. Isn't that odd? And, um, it, it, you know, uh, yes, there are legitimate privacy concerns, for instance, with Facebook. And you hear constantly like, oh, my Facebook account's been hacked. Be careful not to um, accept friend requests from me, especially because you're already a friend. And you could probably guess by now that how many different um, Jeff Comforts are there. I've had eight different requests from Jeff Comfort, who was a dear friend uh, from bay, uh, way back when, when I was growing up. And I still like him. There is a real Jeff Comfort out there, but his account's been hijacked by I don't know how many people. Uh, anyway, but Twitter, um, I... I guess it's not a privacy concern, but still, you can have things out there that you don't want. But um, the two best thing I will say about social media before I wrap this up and get to the point that I was going to make is that um, you can meet people with like things, people that have the same interests that you have that you didn't know existed. You always felt, I think, um, isolated in the past about what... Um, of like, oh, wow, I really like airships, dirigible Zeppelins, right? The things, that, oh, the Hindenburg. Yeah, yeah, the Hindenburg was one of them. But did you know we had our own fleet of airships? The United States Navy in the era before the Air Force was a separate um, part of our armed forces had airships stationed out of uh, Lakehurst, New Jersey, and with uh, different um, airship hangars throughout the country, including on the West Coast, up, I believe, as far as Oregon and Washington and definitely down throughout California, where um, they, well, geez, uh, if you think Goodyear blimp, don't. It's the same shape as a Goodyear blimp, but think of uh, five Goodyear blimps all uh, back to back to back. Anyway, I've always been fascinated by them. I'm the only one I know of who's fascinated by them. But online, I found other people who are fascinated by them as well. And I think that's cool. And um, I can also say the same thing that I like about different audio drama podcasts. So I join all these groups that I find on face group, uh, face group, Facebook for it. And um, I find the separate people and sometimes the pages for the podcast that I enjoy listening to. Um, and I give a shout out for a couple off the top of my head for um, uh, 1865 is a historical. Yeah, OK, OK. Historical fictional, although it's based all on true things for the year 1865 when Lincoln was shot. And that's the whole key where it starts is Lincoln's assassination and the chaos that reigns in the U.S. government in the days, weeks and months after the Lincoln assassination. Because there was an attempt by Booth and his uh, conspirators, yeah, a real conspiracy, to also kill the Secretary of State, and they almost succeeded, and yeah, even the Vice President, too, 
So all three of them were targeted to be killed that night. Bet you didn't know that. And um, there's a great audio drama about this. Oh, it sounds fantastic, too. I loved it. And um, anyway, I can find other fans on the different social media sites for that and similar uh, audio dramas, and uh, in- including uh, getting ahead of myself. But on Twitter, a little harder to find. But once you start following things using all those hashtags and stuff, I, you start finding them again in clumps, even if they're not defined groups, per se. And there are some uh, outliers out there to help you find other people with like interests. Uh, again, okay, all wrapping up now. History. Love it. This weekend, History Writer uh, History Writer Day 2022 or History Writer Day 22, uh, whatever the hashtag was, was officially, I believe, Saturday the 26th. And it was a weekend thing, so it also included the 27th. And it was a way on Twitter for people who wrote history books, fiction and nonfiction, U.S. uh, world history, European history, African history, um, just to self-promote their own books and to um, put a little word out there. So, you know, growing up, I loved reading bookstore manager. Hello. But, um, uh, you know, the authors were sort of like, you know, like, oh, you know, the, these gods of literature out there, you know, like I, I've heard of them. Oh, and I had a professor who was trained by one of them, you know, like, wow, you, you knew Alan Nivens, um, you know, the, the historian Nevin, Nevins, not Nevin. Uh, Larry Niven is the science fiction writer who is still with us. And he's a wonderful writer, by the way. I'm thinking of Alan Nevins, who was a history writer and who edited the um, selected diary of John Quincy Adams back in the day, um, back in the 1950s. And um, anyway, nowadays, though, you, you can contact the authors. They don't mind. They, they actually like it if you say, hey, loved your book. You know, um, are you doing an autographing anywhere? Can I get a signed copy? They like that. Go figure. <laughs> you know, some of them don't want you drooling all over them. I'm sure Stephen King's got um, uh, enough fanboys to keep him um, like going yeah uh most of the time when it actually he, he might write a book about them uh most of the time when he goes to uh, an autographing too many people show up because i'd asked him if he would do an autographing at my bookstore i wrote him a letter and he said i don't because too many people show up so i have to limit it to um you know specific number of crowds and different venues and stuff like that but he signed the letter and i got his autograph uh, because of that. So I was thrilled even if I didn't get to actually meet him in person. So I, I thought, well, that was a cool thing, history books. So I decided um, yesterday on the 27th of November that I would just go and retweet of like, hey, it's history book day 22, adopt an author. So I went and I just looked at the very first post under hashtag history writer or what I can't remember the hashtag now. Uh, I think it was history writer day 22. And it turned out to be um, a British um, woman named uh, Rebecca Radiel, Radiel, R-I-D-E-A-L, who'd written a book, uh, a history book about the Stuart era, Tudors and Stuarts, uh, Stuarts, I believe in Britain called 1666. 
And um, she, she'd posted it and said like, hey, I, I've written a book. It's just one. Can I post something? And they said, of course, please feel free. And I said, oh, that looks really cool. So I retweeted that. And today, in between visits that I had to do, busy day today, I went down to my favorite bookshop, the old bookshop, for John Street, Morristown, New Jersey. They're the best. And what do I find on the shelf? 1666. Plague. Uh, it's in backwards. <laughs> Plague, War, and Hellfire. About the year 1666. Not a promising year. And uh, so I thought I'd give a little bit of a shout out for Rebecca Radil. I don't know you. You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. But I'm here for just the hell of it. Just plugging your book. Just because it looked really cool. And as a way to wrap this up, since we're coming to the end of our, uh, I don't know how long it's been, uh, about an hour or so, um, I'm going to just read a little bit of it. So I thought I'd uh, open it at random. And chapter two starts out with outbreak. And I'll just read a, a paragraph or two. Plus, this will give you an idea of the, the kind of thing I more or less do now for a living. So. From 1666, Plague, War, and Hellfire by Rebecca Radil. And this book is copyrighted 2016 by John Murray Publishers in Great Britain. Chapter 2, Outbreak. Wherein could this flea guilty be, except in that drop which it sucketh? From the John Dunn, the flea. Should also mention, I haven't read this before. I just opened this before we started, since I was asked to do this sort of last minute, and I haven't had a chance to read ahead. This is weird, too, because I've only owned the book for like four hours. <clears throat> After the death of their host, fleas have around three days to find a new source of blood. After that point, they will starve. If a flea carries Yersinia pestis, a bacterium that blocks the valve to the stomach, the need to feed intensifies. Only through the flea's persistent efforts to feed will the bacterium become dislodged, after which it is spewed into the bite wound, while the flea's belly uh, fills with fresh blood. The bacterium infiltrates the new host's bloodstream multiplying and injecting toxins into every cell. On board a ship, fleas might cling to cotton or silk bales until another living body, usually a black rat, can be found. In this way, jumping from host to host, the parasite can travel across waters, across from, say, the Netherlands to England. Makes you kind of want to read more, huh? Especially since we just went through the pandemic and just remembering like, oh yeah, they've had those before. Um, some of them were a little even worse than what we've had. So anyway, 1666, Plague, War, and Hellfire. And maybe it relates to what we've gone through and are still going through today. By the last account that I read today, uh, 300 people a day are still dying of COVID. Uh, certainly way down from what it was before, but still 
roughly three times the amount of people who die from than who die from uh, the flu. So, anyway, that's just to give you a sample of uh, the kind of thing um, that we might talk about in this or future episodes of uh, the Cube Nerd podcast, with or without our valiant but um, sick, hopefully not from the plague, uh, host, uh, Mike. Or our, uh, our our third host, who um, has, we know, resigned as host, uh, uh, Bert. But we're hoping to still um, uh, lure him back at some point. Perhaps he could do some artwork for us, uh, Bert. Maybe we could use uh, some more besides just the logo, something new for a T-shirt, maybe. Maybe a superhero. No. Anyway, just saying. So uh, in conclusion, um, just wanted to uh, plug a couple of things. Uh, first, um, as far as uh, uh, podcast to post I, uh, or to uh, mention, I'd already mentioned 1865, which is a Wondery Airship production uh, done by Lindsey Graham. Um, not the Senator Lindsey Graham. No, not that it's Lindsey Graham. This is Lindsey Graham with uh, S-E-Y, I believe his last name, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, um, who's the creator, at least, uh, I believe, of that particular show. He certainly um, does one of the voices in the show. And um, in addition to that, uh, there's um, Madison on the Air, which is one of the auto dramas that I'm in. And that's um, more or less a take on um, old-time radio shows, actual scripts from old-time radio shows, but modified with the insertion of a modern person in them, the results of which are pretty funny, I think you'll find if you listen to it. And uh, a couple of other um, good audio drama podcasts to mention. Um, I would say uh, currently out now, there's a new one called Murphy, and I'm listening to that. Um, another one called The Seller Letters that I'm listening to. And what are some of the others? Uh, oh, I, I could cheat. Just remember it. Look here. I look forward to driving sometimes and I plan what podcast I'm listening to. And sometimes that makes the driving a little bit longer, but it gives me something fun to look forward to once I'm through with all the little turns that I really have to pay attention. I can't afford to listen, listen to uh, something that's on the radio, even music I'll turn off if I'm, uh, you know, going somewhere and I know their traffic could be a little tricky. Um, but when I'm in the clear stretch, you're like, okay, 50 miles to the next exit or whatever. And then you're just staying in that same lane with only looking for weird people merging in and out who shouldn't be, um, then you can afford to listen to something. And I always plan trips, especially for the holidays where it's a long drive uh, around what I'm listening to. In our family, whoever drives gets to select what you listen to. That's sort of how we share the driving too. And uh, which is another reason why we get my son to drive more often because he really likes to listen to and share what he's listening to, which tend to be... Uh, reviews of computer games, and he's also found a couple of interesting other podcasts. Um, uh, what was it called? What the Folk, <laughs> which was about folktales. I believe that's the name of it. But for me, uh, other podcasts that I'm trying right now, uh, The Book of Constellations. I think that's a Rusty Quill. 
Uh, not I know the uh, seller lettuce is rusty quill. Um, how it ends. Something about the Beatles. That's uh, Richard Buskin and Robert Rodriguez. Um, although I think those are, they do new podcasts now with separate ones. Um, I always have a Beatle podcast I'm listening to. Uh, the Audiobook Club. The, uh, oops. Didn't mean to hit start. Uh, here's one called The First Episode Of. Good way of uh, finding different podcasts. This guy reviews the first episode of new ones as they came out. Not bad. Here's a really interesting one. You want to listen to a podcast with a lot of um, money behind it and a lot of talent behind it? American Hostage, which although it's an Amazon original, you don't have to have an Amazon subscription to listen to it. It's available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, American Hostage with John Hamm. Uh, it's very good. And trust me, this one moves. Also, um, lots of language. So not exactly kid-friendly. So be careful. Um, listening to one called Mars Corp, which is a little bit old, but boy, is it funny. If you like um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, British humor and British good British voices, it's, it's a good one. Um, Nothing is Real, another Beatle podcast. Down, which is um, uh, trying to remember the name of the group. Uh, look later. American History Tellers from Wondery. That's uh, that one's uh, Lindsey Graham. The Last Night on the Titanic. Mm, it's a little bit older, but it's okay. Here's one on The Prisoner, which is one of my favorite television shows. They uh, review and recap all the episodes. This one's called, or the uh, podcast is called A Degree Absolute. Um, that's too fuzzy. Yeah. Share it differently sometime later. Uh, Badlands Cola. Hollywood and Levine. That's with Ken Levine, the Hollywood screenplay writer. Great, funny podcast. He's a wonderful talker. And um, lots of experiences that he shares. Darkwoods, that's a newer one. And that one's from um, uh, Dick Wolf Productions. Um, uh, and Wolf Productions, of course, he does all the Lauder, Law and Order franchises. All of them. Colombo Podcast. Um, this is an older podcast uh, with two Scotsmen who discuss the different episodes of Colombo. We're listening to the last salute to the Commodore now. An Oral History of the Emu War, which is evidently a thing in Australia. Uh, that one's interesting. Another Columbo, History Unplugged. Um, things We Said Today, another Beatle one. Star Trek, The Pod Directive. Glass Onion, another Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. 1865, because I'm really listening to it. And other ones, too, that I just haven't got back to yet. But just to give you an idea, that's the kind of thing that I do. And I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to some of those. But for me, and I guess right now, I'm in the middle of working on an audiobook. Maybe we could talk about that sometime, what it's like to 
work freelance and all the jitters and fears that come from that, plus uh, how much fun it can be if you're interested. Let me know in comments uh, if you want to hear about some of the process involved in um, either recording or voicing, uh, that kind of thing. Love to do some videos on that on my own uh, uh, YouTube channel. And um, if you want, I'm at uh, McKinleyCo.com. So McKinley is spelled, uh, since uh, it's been a problem spelling it sometimes for some folks, M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y, that's McKinley, Co is C-O, McKinleyCo.com. And that's um, where the links are to my audiobooks and all the voice work that I've done to date. And there's even a link there to the YouTube channel, which only has a, a couple in there. There's a video I created to go with the uh the John Lennon book that I narrated, and uh, another one that I did with our uh, my uh, the with Mike and Bert, our comic buddies, uh, about um, Mike Spears' comic book out uh, for uh, the the wrestling comic, CWL Productions. Anyway, that's about it for today's um, episode of uh, Cube Nerds. Cube Nerds number thirty-two outside of your comfort zone. Let me know if it took you outside of your comfort zone to listen to this. <laughs> and if you have any comments or ways you'd like to see this improved, I could share a few screens um, and will in the future going forward. And um, this has um, been an interesting experience trying to do this solo. It's also too long. Nobody's going to watch the whole thing. So very good. Congratulations on watching it all the way to the end. Let me know if you've made it to the end. And you're, you're hearing this now because I'll tell you to leave a comment that you made it to the end. And maybe we could do special gifts or, or something. But uh, in any event, we'll be back sometime soon. I hope earlier. And once I've gotten the pattern of doing this by myself, um, you'll be relieved to hear we will have guests. Um, some from friends, some from people I know only online, either through Facebook or from my voiceover groups or through, um, uh, maybe I'll make a challenge and get outside of my own comfort zone and find somebody I've never met before on Instagram, or maybe I'll find someone from Twitter or something, or maybe I'll even find Rebecca Radil and see if she's interested in coming on. Probably not since she has no idea who I am. This was completely unplanned and unexpected that I would choose her book, but I'm very happy that I did. And uh, once again, this is John Quincy Adams sternly looking at me to make sure that I don't get too far off point or he will certainly pull me back again. Um, anyway, have a very good night and we'll talk to you soon. Be good, everybody. Take care and have a happy week. Bye. Bye. doesn't believe me when I say end. <laughs>